We talked a lot today about technology for two reasons. One, roaming charges for some cell phone users are about to go up by quite a bit, in fact. And two, a digital marketing expert has some interesting things to say about smartphones, and that got us thinking about the technology that we miss. The stuff that we used to use that we miss, not necessarily like machine-based technology, but Greg had a rather simple one that many of us realized that we have stopped using. So we had a lot of fun talking about your old tech, and it's Thursday, which means small town salute. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, March 2nd podcast for The Start. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In a moment, we want to discuss a headline I spotted immediately when I walked in here that made me instantly think of you, Greg. But before that, we have uh, we wanted to discuss something macabre that happened just a few moments ago. I walked into the room. I walked in behind Loren, handed her a copy of her schedule, of our sheet, and she kind of jumped and... Like a shiver. I had a shiver, and then, Greg, I said... Oh, and Brett goes, what was that? I was like, I don't know. Someone must have just walked over my grave. And then he goes, what's that? And I was like, I don't even know why I said that. I don't know if I've ever used that expression before. But I said, I think that's an expression you use when you have a sh- when you shiver. So we Googled it. Yeah. And what was the answer? Apparently it's from the 18th century. The idea that if you feel a sudden chill, it comes from an earlier folk legend that a sudden cold sensation was caused by someone walking over the place that one's grave was eventually going to be. It, like, it makes no sense. So you're going to be buried at Portage in Maine? Is oh. this what we're, we're saying here? I hope not. No, I like this corner. I love It's a beautiful view, but I don't... But it, it made me laugh because I was like, I don't know if I've ever used that before. I don't know really what it means. I don't know why I'm saying this, but obviously I've heard someone somewhere. say it somewhere. And it reminds you of those expressions that you use. And then you think later, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> is this a way for you to propose using the concourse of Portage, Maine as a mausoleum moving oh, forward when like we a, open like Portage, a, and Maine to pedestrians or a somewhere pyramid? in the future <laughs> with lasers? You know, Will I was just thinking pyramid? when I came up the escalator in the, in the lobby, they have some beautiful artwork in this lobby, but the main facade as I was coming up the escalator has plants and they're nice, but I was like, something else should go there. This is my thought this morning and now you're suggesting... It should be like a shrine uh-huh. later in life. Yeah, yeah. like for uh, like a <laughs> like a uh, like a citizens hall of fame. They have the busts at the the Cinnabon Park, but instead, you know, famous people like Lenin's tomb in Red Square. You could uh, like have famous people from Winnipeg. You know, that would be their final resting place. Maybe it doesn't have to be so dark. Maybe it could just be like a, our own stars. You know, oh. Hollywood stars, but at 201. And not me. Like, I mean, like, real stars. Like, like you know, signing contracts at Portage Maine or um, the great the Grey Cup could have a little fe- feature there. You know, great things that happened at Portage Maine. You know what? We might be on to something I think here. I am. We really, this conversation oh, I, has taken a turn. I? Well, where's the, there's no I in team, Loren. I thought we were, this was a I said group. we really are. No, play back the tape. We'll I think I'm on, tape. I'm on to something is you what I heard. You said we're on to something, <laughs> and I said I think we are. Okay, I heard I think I am. <laughs> well, then. You know what? I am onto something. That was Get an interesting lost. roller coaster. <laughs> we covered so many bases there. There you go. And then the next, uh, and I'm sure, uh, and our, perhaps our our landlords at 201 Portage might enjoy. I, I like the idea of having the Winnipeg moments up on the wall. But uh, the headline, as we go from the macabre saying to the macabre headline, and this is a track, like I'm not making light of this headline by pointing it out. It's it's really a sad story. The headline at globalnews.ca but and here's why I thought of it, Greg, because it has to do with a shark. Oh. Missing father of three found inside shark's stomach, ID'd by tattoo. Mm. So this is my first thought was what? Like did this guy get eaten? Like swallowed up by a, a great white or something? So it was a school shark, an Argentina man goes missing. 
for a few days. They found his ATV on the beach. Oh, boy. Uh, a school shark is not big enough, from what I can tell. They can grow up to two meters long. So they, the suspicion is he had an accident on the ATV, got sucked into the ocean. Oh, and, and then was, yeah. So they, so they, I guess, so they, so they, they found some of his remains inside this shark. He but ma- to be able to ID a guy inside a shark from his tattoo... And what are the chances that they caught that shark, dissected that shark? Like, that sounds like uh, an incredible story on its own because well, let's face it. The odds of that for sure. Yeah. Like, obviously, if you are, you know, you lose a loved one in a tragic fashion, we, we, we know about the concept of closure and, and how frustrating and devastating it is not to have that closure and to get it that way. I, I'm going to have to read a little bit more about this and find out how they actually ended up with this shark and, and dissecting it. There, was there a sense that, that maybe this had happened? This is. This is, a, this is a, a more interesting story by the minute. Yeah, they, they, the, the shark was captured by local fishermen, and they just happened to find these remains. So I don't think they were scoured, like no, looking the, for sharks. Maybe, to, maybe the shark wasn't the a remains. suspect. Is yeah. the shark food, like, you know, you're going to eat the shark, and then you find that. That's really upsetting. But I, I think the, the point that you made there, Greg, is that at the very least you'd be thinking as family members for the yes. rest of your life, whatever happened to Diego and right. now at least there are some answers, as, as awful as they might be. So you can read more on that at globalnews.ca. Again, the headline, Missing Father of Three Found Inside Shark's Stomach ID'd by Tattoo. Just a bizarre, sad story. And uh, one of the big things we're going to be talking about today, just wanted to set this table now, is the freeze-thaw cycle, which I guess we're about to begin experiencing, Loren. Yeah, I was noticing some of the snow piles had gone down a bit, and so in, in my first thought was okay as, as we emerge into what we hope will be an early spring or at least spring on time. Uh, I, there was the dog <laughs> remains situation, not remains, sorry. Moose is alive and well. I just mean excrement everywhere. <laughs> and then I noticed, you know, there were some cracks that I was like, oh, I wish I paid attention to that and windows, gaps in your windows. And so as you get ready for spring, if you're a homeowner, there are things you need to do and you might not know that. You know, a lot of people live in their homes for years and not realize the things that they should be doing to help keep their home, you know, dry and high and dry uh, as we get into the melt. So we'll get into that after seven. Yeah, I remember when I was uh, owned, briefly owned a home and was told, you know, you're supposed, you should be watering like the side, the edges of your house. Like what? Water my house? Like, yeah, well, yeah, it's for your foundation. Like, I suck at this. Yeah. I'm a terrible home. There's a million things that happen in our house that I think, thank goodness for my husband, because I just it didn't cross my mind that they need to get done. He's just a magic man. What? <laughs> furnace filters? Change them? Sump pump? Where? <laughs> Same thing, the furnace. Yeah. My yeah. air conditioning wasn't wor- working. It was like 27 degrees in my house, and they say, they say you got to change your furnace filter. I'm like, does the Why? furnace have to do with the air conditioner? Exactly. That was what I, <laughs> what I thought. And then when I pulled this filter out, I th- that makes sense. Might as well have been a brick wall no, inside that filter. All these things. <laughs> I remember saying once to him, do we change our furnace filters? And he just blank face stared at me like <laughs> It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In our next segment, we tell you how you can win yourself a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. And it ties into technology that you miss. After Global News at 7 o'clock, we're going to start prepping for spring, the freeze-thaw cycle. And by the way, the freeze-thaw cycle, I just ran out of water. Our water cooler has been malfunctioning for like a month and constantly freezes. So I'll have to check if it has thawed out for the last two it hours. It has not. Still, uh, it's so. for three days in a row now. Clay Young and I seem to collide in the kitchen at the exact t- same time. We're both discovering that water cooler doesn't work. Yeah. And then it's like a, it, I can't get out of there because Clay's gone on a long rant that I have to <laughs> engage in. I've tried it. I've lifted. I've fixed it. I mean, at the end of the day, we should be. There's someone we could probably email about that. I already did. We, we, we have. There will be a follow-up. Look, who's the magic man of this building? Like the magic man in my house who just takes care of the things <laughs> I don't know how to fix. <laughs> or magic woman. Who cares? Magic man, woman, whatever. Magic dog. Think I can make it to the 19th floor, Mackling, in three minutes during our commercials? 
I believe you can. Okay. We yes. have, we'll, we'll give that a shot. In the meantime, if you are planning to travel outside Canada, it could cost you a whole lot more to use your phone. Yeah, so you already charged roaming rates on all cell phone provider plans, but now TELUS and Bell say they're going to raise those roaming rates again. This is going to come into effect March 8th and 9th, respectively. And as Global's Sean O'Shea explains, uh, the cost is, is significant. Canadians are already used to paying more for mobile phone service than those in many other countries. Now the price is going up for those using phones out of the country. Corporations are using inflation as an excuse to pass on uh, higher prices. Both TELUS and Bell are raising daily prices for those who use their phones outside Canada. Not a lot more, about a dollar a day starting next week. The companies will soon charge between $13 and $16 a day extra for phone use in the U.S. and other international destinations. This former Bell customer says it's too much. I absolutely think it's a cash grab. I noticed that when I went down to Florida over Christmas, and I didn't turn my phone on at all. I used my emails through uh, free Wi-Fi. Consumers in Canada don't have a lot of choice, but we have even less choice when we're abroad. Bell and Telus didn't respond to interview requests. But as we stood outside one Toronto Bell store to interview customers, this Bell manager named Jason came up to us, telling us we shouldn't be standing in the public sidewalk, blocking the Bell sign. I'm not authorized to be recorded right now. I'm not authorized. Don't touch, don't touch the camera. Don't put it in my face, please. I'm standing on the sidewalk, sir. You've come out to talk to us, and we're standing on the sidewalk, sir. What's the problem? Some customers told us they aren't making enough effort to get a better deal. I, I'm guilty of that. Just taking what's, you know, what they give me, I take. Others say they'll get a local phone provider when they travel in future. Yeah, I would get a SIM card and just use it with my phone that I already have. I would just get a burner and tell people this is my number. Cheaper choices when high phone prices in this country are getting higher. So consumers thinking about alternatives in the face of these price increases. So far, Rogers has not indicated whether they will raise prices as well. Sean O'Shea, Global News. Rogers already raised them. It used to be $8 a day for their Rome-like home service, and I've taken advantage of Rome-like home for years and years. The $8 was very palatable in my mind to be in. Uh, Finland, as an, as an example, to be able to talk to whoever I wanted, text whoever I wanted, share pictures, video, uh, do live hits on CJOB. Did so in Croatia for $8 a day. And then when I go to the States, um, I think it was less than that. The, the point is now it's $12 per day in the U.S., $15 per day in the overseas. And as technology gets better and we live with it longer, isn't it supposed to become less expensive, not more expensive? And they're kind of like drug dealers on this <laughs> front because they've got us so addicted to sharing everything you know, documenting every single part of our life, ke- keeping in touch with one another, and then it's now like, yeah, we're going to improve. We're going to increase that charge by, in this case, uh, over the last couple of years, by Rogers, like fifty percent. You make a great point about th- th- you're being hooked on something, but also the idea that you're right. Technology. If you think of the original computers and how those went, computers used to be thousands of dollars, right. and now you can get one for four hundred bucks. You can also still get the several thousand dollar computer, but there are cheaper options. Has has a cell phone become cheaper anywhere in terms of your basic iPhone, what you would have paid for it 10 years ago and what you're paying for it now? I don't know. I, I guess if you do uh, apples to apples comparison with regard to what sort of technology you get. I know I used to haul around a, a camera, a video camera, right. and a flip phone. So to have it all in my pocket for 1100 bucks, I think is a pretty good deal. It's still more than you'd pay for a laptop. You could do, I guess you could. Oh, and a laptop too. I forgot about that. No, I know. <laughs> it just feels like, it, I, I, mean, you're, I think the point about it, it doesn't, I don't think it's cheaper now to own this phone than it was 10 years ago. Well, I, I'm just saying based on all the things you can do with the thing that fits in your pocket, I would say it's, a, it's way cheaper. Hmm. Yeah, but the, the, this roaming situation, and I can't remember, it's because it's been so long since I've traveled. Do you have to... Do you have to, it used to be years ago where you had to let them let know. Let them know. I Is know that some, something you still have to do? Or does it automatically just put you into this room from home situation? Because uh, I've been burned by using our using our phone. And I remember going to Minnesota like 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we did not, we used my girlfriend's phone for all the 
Googling and maps and stuff. And she, I said, do we need to do anything? And she said, no, we're good. And then she ended up with like a, I don't know, the bill was hundreds of dollars. I've had that happen. And in over $1,000 once, just accidentally didn't have, I thought I was in airplane mode and wasn't for a day. And, and, and I watched a video at the airport, like a show and downloaded it and everything, and it was it was so expensive. But the the re- reason why this is additionally frustrating is when you think about the providers here, Telus, for example, Bell, and they're not answering questions. What's the justification? Right? I don't think they can give one. Right. So that that's why it's also additionally uncomfortable when when prices go up. They're we, going up we, for we the to, sake of going. We up. go to the grocery stores. We go to the beef producers. We go to the you know grain farmer. We say, well, what's going on? How come I'm paying more for A, B, or C? What's going on then? Uh, they just want to charge us more. They want to charge us more, and they want to see how how much they can charge us before we start pushing back. Yeah, we we really we get have, hosed. Yeah, in we this have country so few choices, right? Yeah, and that's part of it, and that's why some so many people are are not impressed with the idea of Shaw and Rogers this merger because it's going to reduce char, uh, you know choice on several fronts with regards to telecommunications and and communications. It's Mackling, McGarry, McNabb. The question we have this morning, what technology do you miss? Here's what got us thinking about this. On Tuesday, we were talking a lot about TikTok and how governments around the world are banning the app from work phones for privacy concerns. Jim Toth spoke to a guy named John Stebby. On Tuesday afternoon, John works for Loudspace Digital Marketing and Advertising. And given where he works, this comment was surprising. As a normal human being, I would say, go get a flip phone or something. We need to stop with this stuff. It's an ideal, you know, utopia. If we could, if we could move backwards and just be social again, I don't think we need news feeds to see what our friends have been doing all day. I think we need to actually hang out with our friends and be physically present and build real connections with people. But maybe I sound uh, too old school. He works for a digital marketing company. (laughs) And he says, get rid of social media and get rid of your smartphone and get a flip phone. So that had us thinking about the technology that we miss. 204-780-6868. And it doesn't have to be like a machinery-based piece of technology. Like Mr. Mackling, yours was... Quite simple, and it had me thinking, yeah. Calendrier. Give me the good old-fashioned calendar. Give me a big calendar that I can hang somewhere, that I can see my day at a glance, because I don't care if I'm getting a digital magazine, the digital newspaper, if I'm on a website. I always feel like I'm missing something, that I'm not seeing everything. I want to be able to flip the pages, see the front, see the back. That makes me old-fashioned. Fine. I don't care. But I, I think a, a calendar would be the ideal technology to bring back. I don't have a place to hang one at my desk right now, but I'm trying to figure out a way to do it. And uh, so a uh, calendar, and I'm sticking to it. I have a calendar at home. I have it hang, hung on the wall, and I, I love it so much more. than it, It's all on my phone. Like all the kids' different sporting events end up in an app that gets used by teams, and you get notifications saying, reminder, practice tonight at 530 or what have you. But I still will revert and go look at that calendar sometimes to double check. I like seeing it that way. I get it. My dad's got one on his fridge, and he's got all his appointments, everything. He's got to go see a doctor on this day. It's there on the calendar. If he has to go pick up the pills or whatever, it's mostly mostly medical stuff because he's doing his maintenance to make sure that he stays healthy after his heart surgery a few years ago. But it's right there on the calendar. Down with the paperless society. That's what I say. I agree. Cameron Poitras. Um, This is one thing I've been thinking of lately, and like I've been driving around in my car – and I, I've been thinking. I want to. I want the album to come back. I want to. I want to have a CD. I want to have the you know the five disc changer, and I want to go through my. my I want to buy discs again because I only the only because um, obviously like I I like with like it's all just singles now. They put it onto Apple Music or Spotify or whatever, and that and that's kind of it. There's no like. Uh, you know, having the CD and listening to the whole thing throughout it and stuff. The only the only CD I have in my car, and because uh, he's not on Apple Music, is uh, Garth Brooks. 
And I, so I have, that's the only CD in my car. So I listen to that every now and then. And I go through all of his songs and stuff. And I'm like, man, I, I enjoy this. I want to go out and buy like a George Strait greatest hits. I've been like, that's for some reason has been in the back of my head. Like, and I want to have that in my car and I want to listen to it uh, whenever I want to. So I, I bring back the, bring back the album. I'm, you know, enough of this. I know it's so convenient, like Apple music. It is, it is really, really good, but um I, I, I kind of miss listening it, to CDs in my and car. And the road trip was different. You know, you'd yeah. get in and you'd see someone, you'd open up someone's zippered like, <laughs> yes. CD holder. Yes. And you'd be like, what do you got in here? Where are we going? What are we feeling like today? Yeah. And you'd flip through and you'd judge each other. Like, you're not going through someone's playlist on yeah. their phone, right? Well, sometimes less choice was better. It was. It's kind of like uh, going to the video store. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, all right, this is what we have and let, let's go. Now it's like... Having too much choice, it's it's more difficult to land on something. But the six, the, the changer was in the trunk. So if you were packed for a road trip, you were stuck with those six C- CDs until you got to your destination. That's right. Fair That's- enough. Yeah, and another another problem with the streaming as well is there you you feel almost a uh, need to not listen to an entire song. It's like, oh, I want to listen to this song now because it's so easy to just skip, skip, skip. Totally. Whereas when you listen to like a cassette tape, you're, you if you want to change that song, you got to commit and take the time to fast forward. Oh, I went too far. I got to go back. Jeff Braun, what about you, sir? Yeah, with cassettes, you really learned like even the bad songs on every album because it's like, oh, I'll waste too much battery to fast forward, so I'll just listen to <laughs> this song that's not really that good. Uh, for me, I I would pick because I was on a plane earlier this week and this is like 2023 wishing that we had the technology of 2018 once again <laughs> which is just the screens in the back of the seats on the plane yes the new planes don't have TVs on on the backs of every seat uh, and they, they just want you can download the uh, airlines app and watch movies on your and a lot of people just do it on their iPads or the laptops but I just have my phone on the plane and that screen's way smaller than even the seat back plane or screen was so and those apps are rarely that good and it wastes battery on your phone to you know stream video on there and that sort of thing so I wish we just had the the screens on the back of a uh, plane seat where I can just idly punch buttons until something I like pops up and watch the dark night yes oh yes absolutely <laughs> You, what was the story with that again? You watched The Dark Knight on a plane from Hawaii to Vancouver, and I paid eight dollars to rent it, and it was the day before it came out on DVD, which I bought anyways. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, Jeff Forte, what about you? Oh, there's so much. Like it, now, that I'm hearing you guys talk. Like I'm thinking about Cam. What Cam was saying, but uh, the mixtape, a mixtape, and I'm thinking about my first TV that I bought was one of those like 12 inch tube TVs, and had the VCR at the bottom, and uh, I'd put in a, a a tape that I can record on and have my favorite shows and wait for my show to start and hit record and I'd be able to keep my uh, the shows that I wanted on that VHS. I missed that. Um, I was also, you know what, I, I'm going to play this. Clap on, clap <laughs> on, clap on, clap off, the clapper. I just, I, well, I just like that jingle. But, uh... <laughs> I guess the new clapper would be your Alexa, like or your whatever you Google. Yeah, right, I, I'm the same thing. The yeah, lights, yeah. Well, it's just fun to clap your hands, get the light on. <laughs> and uh, Loren, so many things. Cam touched on this a bit. I do miss the going to the video store because that was such a kind of fun date night when you would do it. And so, and then, and the thing about picking a movie now mm-hmm. is there's so much choice that if you don't like it, you just stop watching like 10 seconds in. But if yeah. you had gone to the video store, picked out a movie, thought the movie was stupid, paid for it, you're not, you're not quitting on that movie. You're spending two hours watching it. So I think with some, some sometimes the technology has made us like flash consumers, like quick consumers that were not focusing too much on things. And then just for old technology, I think we should bring back the moat. The moat. Like a moat. <laughs> Around explain, homes. explain. I don't know. I just think it'd be funny. Like you could have a drawbridge and you could really, you know, like if someone says they're coming over and you just quickly lift the bridge up. It's a whole new industry. I mean, gate maintenance and, and moat building. It's a, it's a security system. It's good for the economy. Would you populate this moat with things like crocodiles or alligators sure. or like troll under piranha? the bridge? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Bringing regulations about, is what is an acceptable uh, moat defense? A moat in winter in Canada doesn't work Bring though because of inspectors. winter. You just walk, you just across, walk it? across the frozen water. Oh, well, oh. my, my old business, Snowplay. Place like home, igloo repair and uh, construction. We could add moat uh, building to the uh, yeah. to the resume. I like that. Snow moat. place like home. Snow place like home. I had business cards made up twenty years ago for whenever I made, went to the states, and people would ask what I do. I said, I'm an igloo construction <laughs> and and repair, and just hand out these fake uh, business cards. People bought it all the time. Um. 
Jeez. Oh, Do you live in an igloo up there? Yeah. Two Don't play f- like home. <laughs> 204-780-6868. technology do you miss what technology would you like to see come back and even if it's not necessarily gone it might just be something that you stopped using like i don't have a calendar on my wall and hearing them talk about it maybe i should put one up Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In a moment, we are going to kick off a conversation that we'll have through the day on 680 CJOB. But on the technology front, what technology do you miss? What does Gary say, Greg? Technology? I miss turn signals. Why doesn't this tech work in Winnipeg? We hear that we have heard that a lot lately from various people on multiple topics, the turn signals. Because so, there's no lanes, there's no paint on. You can't see what lane you're in, so you just you reap fro you're like Frogger. Just go where you feel like it. Yeah, sometimes it just feels like Mad Max out there. 204-780-6868. What technology do you miss? Whether it's something that is gone, or maybe it's something that you just haven't used for a few years and you wonder, maybe I should start using that again. 204-780-6868. We'll pick a winner at 915 for the Santa Lucia pizza gift card. The thermometer is slowly creeping up. Minus 7 the high today. Zero tomorrow. Of course, there's the wind to deal with, as there often is. So we're not ready to break out the patio furniture just yet. But we were talking yesterday, spring is nigh. Or it feels like it's that way. And as we get into the freeze-thaw cycle... We know it's important to consider how to get your home ready for spring as well, and, and not just the deck and yard. Blair Feltmate is head of Intact Centre on Climate Adaptation at the University of Waterloo. Good morning, Blair. Good morning. So the snow piles are melting, and I notice, you know, if you walk around the yard, you'll see different things, and, and homeowners might even be seeing cracks in the foundation or gaps in their windows. Where do we start when we're thinking, okay, spring is coming, now what? Yeah, so there's a lot of things people can do around their home, you know, starting this weekend, if it just gets a little bit warmer, perhaps, but to help ensure that when uh, 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 the snow melts and it may hit in combination with precipitation, that they don't end up with a basement full of water. And it starts with, for example, around uh, looking around the house and where the storm drains are, just to make sure that they're clean and clear and free of snow and ice and debris or anything that may block water from draining uh, safely away from your house or the alternative is water pooling around the house and maybe ending up in someone's basement. Uh, people also want to make sure that their uh, extension pipes, the where the, where the uh, downspouts come down the side of the house from the east trough and then there's a pipe to carry that water away from the house, they want to make sure that during the winter, during shoveling or other events, that those pipes uh, those connections didn't become disconnected. So they want to make sure that pipe is connected, that extension pipe, to get water to drain two or three meters from the foundation of the house rather than right at the wall of the house. Uh, if people have a sub-pump in their basement, uh, this is a, a pump that's in a well that's below the basement floor, uh, they want to make sure that the sub-pump actually works. Uh, pour a bucket of water in there, see does the sub-pump turn on and pump water safely outside Uh, if it does that's good if it doesn't you want to look at it into fixing it now rather than waiting for um, uh, an event whereby water gets in the basement and the sub pump is uh, froze and and you end up with a basement full of water Um, even things as simple as by the way uh, ensuring that in the basement of your house the little drain that's there that that is there for if the uh, dishwasher overflowed or the washing machine pipe broke that lets water drain out of the house People want to make sure that that drain in the basement, that it's free of blockages. Uh, Believe it or not, we went into several hundred homes across Canada. We found that about one-third of homes have that drain blocked. They have stuff sitting on top of it that makes it such that if water got into the basement, it couldn't safely drain away. Um, I'm curious, sorry, I was just going to interrupt saying that, you know, you mentioned that drain and I'm thinking now I think I got suitcases on top of ours right now, so I'll have to double check that. But I'm I'm wondering as people listen to this, Brett referenced this earlier, Blair, the the things you just don't know because you didn't know that that existed or that you were supposed to even do that as a homeowner because it's, it's like you can buy a house and the manual doesn't, there's no manual that says these are all the things you're supposed to do. Absolutely. And you, as a matter of fact, you've just hit an incredibly important point. And, 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 and this is not a commercial for our organization, but the Intact Center. But if people go to the Intact Center and Climate Adaptation on the front page, the page that rolls up instantly, they will see uh, a guide called Three Steps to Cost-Effective Home Flood Protection. 
and it gives them 15 things they can do around their house that are instantaneously understandable. There's pictures to show each one of these things that as soon as they look at it, they can say, they can say oh, I better go check that for my house. And what we find is that about uh, probably 70% of people that receive this information, they will act on two or three measures outlined in that guidance uh, that they otherwise wouldn't have done because they simply didn't know what to do. So you've hit the nail on the head. It's not that people won't act to protect their homes from basement flooding. The problem is they don't know what to do. And that simple guidance document will make it incredibly easy for them to to uh, take these actions so they don't end up with a basement full of water. Well, and of course, it's a little bit late now for this spring, but something to keep in mind as you make your way through uh, summer towards next fall, cleaning your eaves troughs and making sure they're clear of debris and leaves it's an important part of removing efficiently effectively the snow from your roof and keeping that water away i hadn't even thought blair about making sure that my downspout extensions were down and that they were functioning and of course uh this is some of this requires a little bit of planning but if you plan to do it it can save you a a world of hurt you're again you're, you're 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 stating it very very well and by the way, just to give people a sense of, you know, when water does get in the basement, the, the, the average cost of a flooded basement in Canada right now is $43,000. And a great deal of the, the probability of ending up with a flooded basement uh, can be removed by, by engaging the simple actions that we've, uh, we're discussing here. And um, uh, so it, it, is, it is time extremely well spent. Because you think about it, for most people, if you own a home, that's your biggest investment in life, and to a large extent, it's your retirement plan. But more, but people end up doing, you know, spending more time planning their vacations than they do uh, protecting their home from basement flooding. And this guidance that that is out there, it, it it's incredible how easy it is to operationalize this to make it such that you know, hopefully, you don't end up with a basement full of water. Blair Feltmate is head of Intact Center on Climate Adaptation, University of Waterloo. We'll have to leave it there. Blair, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it, You're- sir. You're very welcome. Thank you. And we'll have much more on the freeze-thaw cycle and getting ready for that throughout the day on 680 CJOB. I'm sure including, if you're a dog owner, you know what happens in the spring. You get your kids outside. (laughs) You say, pick up that nonsense. (laughs) It's the worst. (laughs) Just the worst. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are asking you about the technology that you miss. Technology that you would like to see come back, that you would like to start using again. Like maybe it's something that exists and you just stopped using them. Like Greg mentioned, the calendar. And uh, that makes me think of like a day planner, like an actual book day planner. I used to love mine in school when you got the new one every year. I beat those things up so bad. Every every inch of those pages were covered in something, whether it was homework details or we got a test this day. I know we can put it all on the phone. It's not the same. It's not. And perhaps the next generation find, you know, there's no difference to them because they didn't know what came before it. But that's the same reason why I still love the paper calendar. It's not the same as the digital calendar, which I use. But I like I liked and where do you put, you know where you put your notes and yes I know there's a notes thing in your phone and all the rest but where are the little things going like I love having a hard copy well the the day at a glance and the thing everything at a glance well think about all the different places you keep notes and you make appointments it might be in your Outlook might be in your Hotmail might be in the calendar in your phone and then of course you've got your communication tools internally at work and all these different things get saved and you get invited and you agree to going to this meeting and that meeting and you set a timer or you set an alert and maybe the alert doesn't work like Ah, just give me one place where I can just look at it all at once and uh, I'll be a happy guy. Yeah, I think that all of these digital things that are designed to make us more organized might actually, in my case, they, they make me more disorganized and more scatterbrained because if you have to take the time to pick up that book, write it down in there, then you've already somewhat committed that to your brain. Whereas if you have all these, like how many times have we all been caught off guard by a Microsoft Teams notice saying, meeting in 15 minutes. What? And you're like, oh, that was not on my radar. Yep. I don't have time for this right now, but you got to sign into the meeting. So, or I'll, I'll meet or I'll miss one. 
I, I, <laughs> I remember a couple weeks ago, I think, or maybe it was just last Thursday, I looked down on my phone, I finally look at this notification, it says, meeting starts in 15 minutes. <laughs> this was an hour after the meeting had ended. <laughs> you'll send notes out sometimes, because you'll listen to, we know we're not always on the same meetings, and then you'll send a note out saying, hey, hey just to recap what was said in the meeting, and I'm like, what meeting? And then I go looking, and I'm like, oops. <laughs> Small town salute. Last Sunday, after the Winnipeg Jets fell short of their on-ice goals as the New York Islanders walked out of Canada Life Center with a 4-0 win over the home team. Behind the scenes, the Jets were knocking it out of the park, Brett, with their next-gen takeover game. So that is Leah Janae honoring Canada, part of a group of young people who work not only behind the scenes, but very publicly as young Manitobans got to work as part of the Jets' social media team or helping Jay Richardson in the PA booth, Loren. Yeah, and our next guest took a seat in the CJOB broadcast booth with our Paul Edmonds and Jamie Thomas. Hi, my name is Lil Paul. I like to help my dad with MJHL broadcasting for the Niverville Nighthawks, and I'd like to be a part of the next-gen takeover for the Winnipeg Jets. So we're going to Niverville, Manitoba for our small town salute this morning to say good morning to Lua Pauls. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. So that was pretty exciting. How did it feel for you to be sitting behind the mic and watching the game live? Just walk us through your experience Sunday afternoon. Um, I mean, it was really cool. Um, it, was, it was such a great experience. And being up in the booth was so cool just because, you know, you don't really get that to look at a game from that perspective ever. And being up there with the guys was just amazing. And hearing the play-by-play and watching the game was all just, all together was just a great experience. And I soaked in every second of it. It's uh, pretty high up there, Lua. But you're right. You get an incredible view. Had you ever seen a game from that perspective, even, say, uh, through a a mounted camera? Uh, No, I wouldn't really say so. It's just, like, uh, it's so almost unreal up there. And I don't think you can really get that. Uh, experience off of a camera anyways. (laughs) Yeah, no, well said. So I think I do some pretty cool stuff with my kids, but Lua, you and your dad, Kevin, do something incredibly awesome together. Lua, why don't you talk about a key player for the Nighthawks? Who are you looking out for tonight? Uh, Tonight I'm going to be looking for Josh Paulus just because uh, he has a 12-game point scoring streak currently, and he scored the OT winner last night, so... So you're part of already a broadcasting duo. Uh, I'm extremely envious of you and your dad. This is cool. What's what's the like working alongside of Kevin? Uh, certainly a lot of hunting time for me and my dad, but it is great, and it was great practice. I mean, I haven't always been talking on the mic. I think when I was about seven years old and we were working for the Winkler Flyers, I took notes like how many times the ref blew the whistle. But um, then uh, eventually when towards the end of our working with the Flyers I started taking more notes and then when we uh, got with the Nighthawks there I started taking like paragraphs on little plays and then once I started talking it just became uh, more and more casual so it's really just it's really great just to see and even how to watch and hear how I've evolved myself and my dad's just been a great teacher for all that and uh, yeah just all a great experience with him. What do you call him on the air? Kevin? Pops? How does that work? <laughs> um, that's never really come up. <laughs> so what do you like living about where you live, Lua? Um, well, we actually live in Morden, Manitoba, so it's quite, it's like an hour and a half drive almost. So it's pretty nice out here. I mean, it's nice and relaxing to drive to Nerville, um for all the games. You know, you just get to kind of think about the game and try and think about what you're going to say. And then even after, it's nice to reflect on how the game went and uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's just I think it's almost perfect because I think if we lived any closer, it wouldn't be the same. I grew up watching a lot of junior hockey myself. I lived in Minnedosa, so we'd watch Nipua when I was a kid, Lua. And then, of course, I, I watched Winkler over the years. I uh, had a loved one played for Winkler. And so I, I love junior hockey. But I know Niverville has done a great job of embracing this team. And I've been to a few games 
hundreds of fans, sometimes sellouts. What's it been like in terms of just being in that crowd? How is the town and the community, like people like yourself coming from Morden, embracing the Nighthawks? Oh, the community is great. I mean, uh, yesterday at the game, I had a whole bunch of people come up to me and talk to me about the next-gen takeover, and the whole community just contributes to the rink, and the Nighthawks certainly do a good job of just, like, of making sure that everyone has a great time and making sure that the that the first year of the team is going to be a great one and making sure that everyone has such a great experience. So I just think that Neverville as a whole town is just great for all that and that how everyone always contributes and sponsors the team and, yeah, just all the support that they get. I know, I know your dad's standing by there, Lua, but tell him we don't need to talk to him. You're doing great here. We'll just talk to you. And uh, the question I had, uh, Lua, is what 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 do you want to do when you grow up? Um, uh, I think I want to go to school for journalism and sports journalism. So that's something that I want to go for. And then uh, I think just journalism, just because if I can get that, then I can go kind of anywhere I really want and kind of do anything. So yeah, I think that journalism would be cool. Well, Lua, you give us a call when you get to that call. How old are you, by the way? I'm 13 years You're old. 13. And you know what? I do have a question for your dad. Is he standing right next to you? Yes, he is. Yeah, I'm right here. I'm going to get you to put her back on in a second, Kevin. But I, I mean, she's a tremendous speaker. 13 years old is remarkable just to do this interview. But I'm just curious, as a proud dad, I saw your tw- tweet on Sunday. You were having that proud dad moment to watch her do something that, that you love to do as well. How did that feel? Uh, it is really cool. I mean, you know, you kind of take some things for granted, whether you know it or not, when she's standing next to me at uh, MJHL games, and all of a sudden, the last little while, she's just taking the ball and run with it. It was just so amazing to see her just jump into it and, and take charge and then just do such a fantastic job on a much bigger stage. Kevin, thank you. Lua, if you're still there, we really appreciate you doing this, and, and we're, I'm sincere when I say, shoot us a note. If you get to journalism school... We'll figure out a way to do something. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. Lua Paul is joining us live on 680 CJOB as a you know, simultaneously salute to Neverville and yeah, Morden. A double, I don't think we've ever done a double small town salute. And uh, this next gen thing is outstanding. And Lua, what, what a terrific job. I've done the math. I, I plan to be well retired by the time Lua enters the workforce. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess that'd be 10. I might, might be too. <laughs> Not when I saw my pension statement yesterday. But. Yeah, that's uh, something I don't want to really think about. Just <laughs> head in the sand on that. But thank you, Lua, Pauls, and Kevin, or Father Kevin, for joining us on 680 CJOB. By the way, the Niverville Nighthawks, I forgot how awesome their logo is. So yeah, cool. Have you had the beer yet? Hot. No. I like the beer what too. Is the, what's the beer again? Okay, now I'm on the spot. Hang on one second. Neverville, um, it's, uh, what ah. kind of beer is it? It's Torque that does it, for oh. sure. The Torque Brewing does the Neverville beer, and it has the logo on it. It's just a lager, I think. Nah, I someone's going to let that. me know that I should know this. I may have had that, actually. I seem to recall having a beer uh, called Nighthawk and quite liking it. So I will have to just double-check that. But, yeah, if you've never seen their logo, look it up. It's really, really cool. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We just want to get right into this here because Shared Health says it is investigating what it's calling a potential critical incident that occurred during a one-hour window on February 27th. As we understand it, one person is dead, and our next guest says it happened while this person, this patient, was tragically waiting for care. Darlene Jackson is the president of the Manitoba Nurses Union and joins us now. Uh, Darlene, this is a a tough one to hear. We don't know a lot of details. Shared Health is saying they cannot provide specifics because of privacy legislation. But tell us what you know and why you're sharing it this morning. Well, what I've heard from uh, staff and uh, from uh, just other 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 issues and other people that have spoken to me is that a patient did pass away in the uh, HSE emergency on Monday evening. Um, I don't know any details other than that. I don't know uh, anything more about the patient, but you know I do send condolences to the family. It's uh, it's very sad, and um, you know and I I've been talking about how sad I feel for the nurses. Uh, in that department because they've been voicing concerns to their employer um, many, many times and for a very long time to uh, 
that they're concerned, they have fears that this is going to happen. And um, I, I, I feel terrible that they are now uh, going through this and they're devastated by it. From, sorry just to interrupt, Arlene, but from, from your understanding, the, the person had been admitted already and was getting in the process of getting care or still waiting to, to officially see someone, or do we know that? I, I, I don't know that. I just know that the patient was uh, in the ER and passed away in the ER in the waiting area. Darlene, yesterday we were talking about the, the need for more ambulances. At least that's, that's the assertion from a variety of different uh, groups. And my observation on that was, you know, why do we always have to get to this crisis status before we take action? Why is there no incremental uh, changes uh, that recognize what, what's being seen in the field, what's seeing on the, being seen on the front lines? Is that a similar situation as to what nurses are dealing with here, Darlene? Just, I, know the, I know the pandemic threw a wrench in so many things, but this all started before the pandemic. Absolutely, absolutely. This this nursing shortage started uh, years ago, and the Canadian Nurses Association has been predicting that we would be in this position in a critical nursing shortage in 2025. The pandemic just uh, exacerbated it and just uh, accelerated that nursing shortage. But we in this province have seen more and more uh, growth in the shortage since the uh, uh, changes in the cuts and the consolidation started about six years ago. And that's when nurses really started to notice our uh, healthcare system was declining. Uh, we started to really lose nurses, have lots of vacancies. People were retiring because they just weren't uh, prepared to work in the, in the system. And uh, this has just, this, this is absolutely where we've ended up in this critical nursing shortage. What's the latest that you've heard from government leaders in, in talking with them? Um, well, I haven't actually met with government leaders for quite some time. Um, I do know that uh, nurses met with the uh, Minister Gordon uh, back in uh, November, the fall, I believe. They met with Minister Gordon. Uh, she set some meetings up with the ER nurses in emergency. And uh, according to the nurses that attended those meetings, this very issue was brought up. Uh, their fear that they were going to uh, lose a patient because they did not have the ability to keep eyes on every patient at all times and to monitor them. And uh, there really has been no action on, on those meetings. We've seen nothing happen. So I'd be very interested to uh, hear what the minister's plan is because she did indicate that there is a health human resources plan. So I'd be very interested to hear what the plan is. Well, they they have made those announcements in the sense of go, going to the Philippines, Darlene. You know, they're, they're talking about the fact that they have a lot of interested applicants who are going to make their way here, but that's down the road. And so I'm curious for you, there's been little changes made along the way, according to health officials. What are nurses saying in terms of what the situation is like in the ER right now compared to, say, a year ago? Because we have been talking about this for a while. And so in theory, I'd like to think the situation is improving. It is not improving. In fact, it is. Uh, I believe it's getting more chaotic. And it's not just the health sciences. Uh, our other two emergency departments in Winnipeg, the St. Boniface and the Grace, are uh, are have shortages. Their ERs are in trouble, and every ER in this province, I believe, is is really struggling to keep up. And uh, it's nurses describe it as chaotic. Uh, describe it as uh, an accident waiting to happen. It's just they just they just cannot sustain uh, the rate they're going on staffing these ERs with overtime uh, in many facilities, staffing with agency. That, that is not a sustainable solution. And we really need to look at how we can retain nurses in this system, the nurses in this public health system. Darlene, this isn't going to be news to you. Uh, it doesn't happen quite as much now. But in years past, whenever we would have you on and you would tell us about this pending shortage and, and how how working conditions were declining and nurses were unhappy, we would get a litany of, of text messages from listeners. I know nurses that only work three days a week. I know nurses that are, are 0.7 or 0.8 and they manipulate their entire schedule. And the union's only on the air to protect jobs and to save their bacon. How do, how do we get past some of those things, some of those perceptions and some of those divides that, that have people close, have, their, close, have them closing their ears to any of these discussions in the first place? 
Well, uh, the first thing I'm going to say is if you've accessed healthcare in this province in the last uh, three years, you will understand that healthcare, the, our healthcare system has is in decline. It really is. Uh, we heard from a patient the other day who said, you know, I, I can see how hard the nurses are running. Uh, they are working flat out, but they still give amazing care despite that. And so for those individuals that talk about nurses who um, only work part-time, you're right, we do have nurses that work part-time. We have lots of of moms out there with small children who uh, can't manage more than part-time, can't manage their children and their home life with um, more than part-time. But we also have nurses, and I heard from two nurses who work full-time, and in the last uh, probably month that over COVID, they picked up a ton of overtime to just keep the system afloat. And they both said to me, I can't do it anymore. I cannot work that many hours and maintain my mental health. I can't, I just can't do it. So what we're seeing is many, many nurses are just sort of backing off and saying, I just can't do it. I cannot work any more hours for my mental health, for my physical health. I have to look after myself if I'm going to be there at all to look after patients. So I think, um, I think mental health and uh, burnout is a huge issue in nursing right now. And I think it's really important that the public understands that you can't expect someone to work multiple 16-hour shifts in a row and not have some consequences from it. Darlene Jackson is the president of the Manitoba Nurses Union, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Darlene, thank you for this. Thank you. reminder that we have a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza to give away. We're asking you about the technology you miss. And it's not necessarily like something with gears, you know, machinery based. It could be something as simple as a calendar that we know. That, and like something, it could be something that still exists that you just stopped using. Like Dwayne, who says one of the things I miss most are games, board games, playing cards, or RPG games like Dungeons and Dragons, gathering with friends and siblings in person, socializing for hours in person. We had some great laughs and at times heated arguments, but always came back to play. And Dwayne says, oh, the good old days of yore. So I said to Dwayne, well, you should organize a game night. because We still I, do board games. Yeah, like I, I'll play a board game maybe once every couple of years, and it always just feels like this... Like this magical moment where we put our, you put your phones down and you just play a game. And yeah, he's right. They're having that, like, you know, video games are awesome. And I know you can play video games with your friends online so you don't even have to leave your home to, to talk to your friends. But sitting around the table playing, like, I love playing Crokinole, for example. And I know Dungeons and Dragons is making a huge comeback. So I've yeah. got a buddy, uh, my buddy Jeff. He plays D and D. I think it's once a month, and him and his buddies they they've been playing together for probably two decades, yeah. and they take turns on a Friday night. I don't think it's every Friday now that most of them have kids, but I think it's once a month they get together and they take turns hosting a D and D night. He calls it his geek out night, and they all get together and they have a blast. Mm-hmm. But you know what? One of the most popular games on online right now is is chess. Mm-hmm. The kids are, are, are your kids playing chess yeah, online, Loren? Uh, no, sorry, they, they play it on a real chess board. But uh, they've been playing that for years. And chess is just, everybody knows how to do it. They All the kids in school, like it used to be this terrible stereotype that if you were in the chess club, like you just had no place better to go. But now the chess club is, the chess is a game that's played. And I, they taught me. And so I think that's, I mean, you can go online and do it. I understand that. And that's been growing in popularity. But board games during COVID were how so many families, I understand you couldn't get together with friends, but families, we bought a ton of board games during COVID and made that a gift. And the, the board game market, like, is supposed to keep growing in the next five to 10 years. Like, it's, it's, really? it's, I read a Washington Post article called it the golden era of board games or something because there's an explosion in it. People are craving that time, that forced time together, that face-to-face time. The games keep getting better. Some of them are a little bit more crass. Some of them are uh, classics. But I'm wondering if, and I'm interested from parents, and this is cool, Loren, because my boys play it with each other. It's so funny. They're playing with or against one another on their respective phones in the back seat of the car. 
and I'll hear Brendan say, come on, just one more game, just one more game. And the other game that Alexander's playing is like uh, basically the Tecmo Bowl. It's like a reboot of the <laughs> original. It's like the original uh, uh, video football game. And the kids love the retro stuff. So I'm curious if this digital era is promoting a love of board games and 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 that love of chess is resulting in more people sitting down at a chess board or sitting around the kitchen table playing more board games just just a question i have i've never won a single game in chess against either the 12 year old or the 10 year old and they've been playing since they were like five and seven yeah well they learned at a young age I just I I every dime I'm like what does this one do again? Mm-hmm. What's this one called? <laughs> yeah. And I'm always like they're like that's not the rook. I'm like you know what I'm asking? Does it go forward diagonally? Like which way does this one supposed to go? Yeah, I used to love playing chess, I, but I was never I was never good at like I understand the game and I understand how all the pieces work, but I was never good at at seeing the big picture to sure. map out that strategy because in order to win that game, you really need to be able to see three, four, five moves ahead. you got to be able to plan it out and come up with those contingencies. So I could play the game competently, but I always ended up like being a like a defensive player. I'd play to a stalemate as opposed to a checkmate. I think I've only I've maybe checkmated somebody once and when it actually when it happened, we were both just stunned. My buddy's like, holy smokes, you won. <laughs> and I, I said, I did? <laughs> I didn't even know, realize that I'd won the game. I solved the Rubik's Cube exactly once in the 1980s and exactly the same way, Brett. Take all Com- the stickers off? And- no, no. <laughs> <laughs> close. Completely by accident because somebody at school had the book on how to solve it. And I'd remembered one of the moves that he'd turn this click, 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 right, twice, back, up. And so I got it to a certain point, and I said, I think this is what you do, and I solved it. Never again was I ever <laughs> able to solve the Rubik's Cube. That's a, that, that's something I've never been able to do. And one of my buddy's kids is uh, like a cube fiend. He actually goes to cube competitions and cube conventions. He does, the, the, the basic Rubik's Cube, that's that's oh, child's now. play for Whoa. him. He, he goes with that because it's what? It's rows of three, right? Yeah, it was nine by nine. Yeah, he, you're three by three, nine, yeah. nine, nine squares on each side. So he goes five by five. Oh, I didn't even know that was a, like that they switched it up like that. Yeah, I don't know if it's an official Rubik. Cube, but uh, it, he goes with the five by five. He goes with like ones that are all weird sorts of shapes. Yeah, and stuff. I saw a star one. Uh, w- w- one of our friends got one for his birthday. My little buddy Matthew celebrated his 14th birthday, and uh, that's what he got was the star one. Like, come on! And it, we, you know, we're hard on kids these days. I think the kids are really, really smart. Yeah. Oh, uh, without question. One of our, Jenna says their kids are learning crib. In school, oh, I love great in, game. School, in school, which great I think is game. Good it's a for great math. it's a great game for math. It's a great game for math. I love playing crib. I used I, to play I love it. it. I used to play crib, but I never got my mom. My mom and I would play that occasionally, and we would play uh, Ramoli as a family. Oh, I well. love Ramoli, although we never played it the right way. No, we didn't do the poker section. Oh, see, I can't even remember how. I, all I remember is the the the, the mat that yes, you would unfold, plot, like, like kind of like the twister mat, but yeah. on the table for cards. We I, we loved Ramoli as a family. It was so great. I should bring that back. The, the dirty pennies, though. Gross. Mm. <laughs> Right. What, what do we need? get? Some chips? Like a, yeah, maybe some chips. You like can't even chips? use bread clips anymore because those are all cardboard now. Use what? We used to use b- bread clips. We went. We rented a, a cottage at Bel Air. Oh God, nineteen seventy eight, and the lady at the store had all these bread clips, and she said these are good for uh, card games instead of using money. And we had those forever. We must have had three, four hundred of them. Wow. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah, and you're right. They they did. How, when did they re- switch those bread clips? Because I've noticed the last that. few months. Yeah. I was yeah. Like, oh wow, these you really might, snap easy. Yeah, you might find the odd plastic one still. So two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. The technology that you miss, whether it's something that's just simply gone the way of the dodo, or it's just something that you've left behind, and you kind of wonder, maybe I should go back to that. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb 
old school technology, old things that you miss, inspired by the fact that Jim Toth on Tuesday spoke to a guy who works for a digital media marketing company. And even he says he wishes we could lose the smartphones and go back to flip phones. So we asked you about the old school technology that you miss, whether it's something that's just gone or something that you just stopped using. It still exists, but you just don't use it anymore. Um, like calendars, for example. And one of our listeners had a comment about paper tickets. They miss getting paper tickets because the ticket stubs as souvenirs. What does Gail say about that, Greg? Yeah, I do not have a phone, so I need physical tickets to go to the Bomber Games. I order my tickets. They are mailed out to me, and I have my stubs to save. I still have my stub from the 1994 Great Cup game. Back in the day, I used to save my movie ticket stubs. I remember seeing some movies in the 70s and 80s numerous times at live and let die smoking the bandit eight times butterflies are free seven times and of course the winnipeg classic phantom the paradise 12 times but that was an era where the movies stayed in theaters for months at a time maybe we should bring that back just for you brett but gail's rant of the day is what is wrong with having a paper ticket good point gail and we had another listener i don't have the name handy but they missed their blackberry Oh, really? You like the BlackBerry, right, Lauren? I loved my BlackBerry. I loved it. I loved the keyboard on it. It had a more tactile feel. It was smaller, so you could, it's more to put it in your pocket or your coat. And when we switched from BlackBerrys through work at Global to the iPhone in, I believe, 2010, it was like all of us were at this meeting together, just collectively like, what are we, this is about. And then, and I'm sure one of us probably thought this is not going to fly. Isn't it funny to think about how quickly things move sometimes? Oh. That the fact that we're already talking about, man, I wish m- I miss my Blackberry. And it's a decade. It wasn't that long ago. I remember sitting at a restaurant. It was at Mongo's Grill on Re- just off Regent Avenue. And one guy in the group had a Blackberry. And he was an early adopter. And... I was just looking at him playing with this thing, and I'm like, so, like, what's on this screen here? And you got this keyboard, and wow, this is a, I've just got this little flip phone, and you got, like, a computer. And in the meantime, I'm crying because I lost the stylus for my uh, Palm Pilot. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Palm Pilots. You know, my husband with his flip phone used to be able to open beer bottles with it. He had a, this little lip on the side that would... Oh, yeah? That was, like, a great party trick. Like, someone would be, what do I do with this beer? Out comes the flip phone, and that's just a few years ago. Hey, Brett just pulled out something from his I phone. I got a stylus in my phone, my Samsung. Get out. Really? Yeah. Well, the, a lot of the iPads and stuff come down with something similar to that, right? The oh, little... so you can draw, and, and yeah, you can well, be lots very of people artistic like to, with it. Like, lots of people like to just actually not have their fingers all over the yeah. screen, right? That's where, where these pens come in really handy, too, right? But uh, we're going with our winner here is Bunny. And not so much because, like, the this, this story is... is it's kind of simple, but the, the the history that Bunny has collected over the years is just astounding. Bunny says, I have kept every stub from any concert, every fortune cookie message I've gotten for the past 55 years. I keep it all in a journal. I've been doing this since I was 10. I'm now 65. Even my airline stubs, it's just amazing being able to read back on my life. So I said, like, even the fortune cookies? That's dedication. So how do you keep all that stuff organized? Bunny says, I tape it into my journals on the day that I did it, and I use one journal a year. So imagine to just be able to go up to the shelf and go, what happened in 1981? Oh. Amazing. And then you're never wrong, right? Someone says to you, that's not how it went, Bunny. But he's like, hang on one you. second. Let me just get my Dewey <laughs> Decimal System and just double check where this has been archived. Uh, I can, in fact, tell you. you I have the receipts. And you're losing this argument, says Bunny. <laughs> Bunny, congratulations. That's just amazing stuff. 